All right, what's up, guys? Back at the Fifth Street Gym with my guy here, Chris Saro, Bare Knuckle FC fighter. Thanks, man. I appreciate you hopping on today. Absolutely. Been excited for this. Been waiting. <laughs> yeah. No, good to, good to finally get you on. Um, we were just talking a little bit before the camera started rolling, which I think is really cool for the people to know about you is how talented of an artist you are. If they don't know already, maybe some people in Maine already know, in New England, they already know Maine some of the things you've, been, yeah. But um, you're going to be doing a mural outside the gym here. And, uh, you know, you got some ink on the body, you got some new ink. I was thinking, do you come up with the designs and new ink on the side of the head? I don't know. Yeah, Did yeah. you draw that too? or It's been something I've been wanting for years, long time, because it like speaks to my, my inner beasts. Everyone always calls me a different animal. Like uh, I get gorilla a lot. And uh, or a grizzly bear, depending on like the time of day and my beard. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just gonna be covering my body in fucking animals. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just slip up sometimes, but yeah. Um, I love it, man. I love it. I. Uh, I the, so the deal with the mural, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we get the uh, approval. We already got the approval for uh, of the gym, but we gotta wait on, on the landlord. But it should be a go. Because why not? And if it is a go, it's going to be my life's my life's piece. I'm very excited because this is history. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to ask you about that. Not only you know doing the mural, how cool is that? But also the history of this gym, and then being a fighter. You know, you got to think about that sometimes when you when you walk in here. Because even when I'm working out, sometimes I think, man, this is pretty cool. Like this is where most nostalgic gyms. Muhammad Ali used to. Be. Yeah. Yeah, man. If you look at. If you look at gyms, so like when it comes to boxing gyms, part of what got me, like I really wanted to be a boxer was the nostalgic aspect. Like uh, I remember being a kid in the Boston airport. Uh, we're going to like Aruba. I was 11, little chubby kid from Maine. And I see this box, this dude, he was like old, retired, like a DeMarco kind of, but just clean cut talent guy. My dad goes, that guy's a boxer right there. He could just tell the nose and everything. It was this nostalgic feel to it that I, I always like, uh, I love when it comes to boxing old school. So when it came to boxing gyms, I hated walking into new shiny, you know, smelling MMA gyms. I like old cat piss, rotten, rusty. <laughs> uh, like ring one, I boxed for uh, Jad Dawson's gym out of um, New Haven, Connecticut. And that's a rough, rough hole in the wall in the ghetto gym and I, I loved it gleason's gym gleason's in new york i boxed uh i fought for them and uh same thing nostalgic the chains you hear the chains going all day in the old rusty bags and then i walked in here and i was like perfect old rusty plaster falling off the walls literally um it, it, but it's uh to be able to leave my mark not only have I left my plenty of blood in that ring, you know, uh, but to be able to leave my mark, like, on the building, the place where Ali, like, made his original run, you know, uh, it's, it's epic. Yeah, super cool. Well, let's take it back maybe to, you know, the beginnings in Maine. Um, you know, curious from the New England standpoint, like, we had, we, I'm from New England, I'm from outside of Boston as well. We, ha, we have some of the, the best uh, last 20 years of sports, professional sports yep. history with the Pats and Celtics and Red Sox yep. and all that. Yep. But, um, you know, I'm sure you're a fan of all those guys. But when did fighting come into play? As a kid, were you a fan of fighting in general? Was it later on? Yeah, so I, uh, I come from a, a family of fighters. 
Now it's not that everyone in my family likes to throw down, but if you if you look at the our family tree, you know my both my grandfathers were boxers. My father, my mom's dad was a Golden Glove boxer, and then on my father's side, his fa- his grandfather was a Golden Glove boxer. My uncles were boxers. My dad's a fighter. My dad's got like no eyebrow hair. And he's got thicker eyebrows than me. Like hell, it's all scars. He's just an old old bad dude, and uh, so it's it's in my blood to just want to fight. And but my uh, my family came from Connecticut, and they they come to Maine, and they start all over, and they raise a family up in the country in the sticks in Maine, and they uh, we have no fighting up there, you know. There's no real circuit up there. Um, there's a New England boxing scene, and the last people to really be a part of it are people from like Maine, especially northern Maine, mm-hmm. up by the border. I, I'm like an hour. I grew up like an hour from the Canadian border. And so, uh, but I, I always, since like seven years old, I used to like sleep over at my Nana's house across the street from my, like my family's house, I'd go over to my grandmother's and we, I'd watch Friday night fights on ESPN and she'd tell me these stories, like point at pictures of my grandfather's and, and tell me how, how they were golden glove boxers. And I thought, that's, you get these golden gloves. I was, <laughs> my name, my fighter's name is Chris Golden Gloves. Yeah. Had nothing to do with it because I won the golden gloves. That was cool. That was a big part of my 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 goals, my bucket list. But it's because I come from a line of golden gloves on both sides. So to me, genetically, I was designed to fight. But I grew up in a place where there was no fighting. And so I, the second I was of age, I started getting in my car and driving my ass to Boston and New York and Connecticut and these gyms and put myself in deep water because they throw you into the wolves when you do that, when you show up. Hi, I'm from out of town, big kid. And they want to test you. So I've been tested in some of the toughest gyms in New England. And I made myself an amateur boxer. You know, I, I started under Marcus Davis, UFC welterweight, ranked eighth in the world at one point uh, in the UFC. Uh, a team Irish. And I wanted to be a boxer. But I was like, well, I'll take this MMA training because they're, they're teaching boxing too. And the guy was a former 17-1 and pro boxer. And so I started in an MMA gym. And it, it spawned into, um, it took me years though. I mean, uh, I, I want to get into the, I, we could be here for a while, but I, I was, uh, I, was, I went down, a, I was just, I uh, grew up like a criminal, around criminals and stuff, and I was in a lot of trouble, but I loved to fight, and uh, because there's no gyms really where I'm from, it was easier to get into trouble than it was to go find a boxing gym, it's part of my goal, bringing that back to that area, and so, uh, you know, fighting was what kept me, anytime I had a fight lined up, I wasn't getting in trouble, because I had a date, I had to eat, sleep, train, and, and I was not going to lose, so yeah. I was not going to skimp, and if I lined up another fight, you know, as like a young adult, you know, joining gym, like, all right, I got another date, I was not in trouble for that amount of time, you know, and if I didn't have a fight, I was in trouble, some serious trouble, so. I think we've heard, like, you know, we've heard a lot of different stories from fighters, like, similar to you, how it's given them that discipline and, and taking them out of trouble, but I'm curious, like, when you really started getting into these gyms and sparring guys and getting in, in fights in the ring, yep. like, what about it did did you really like? Like, was it a- actually the contact, like, the physical yeah. athletic part of it, or was it, like, the feeling afterwards? I know, like, Mike Tyson even said something along the lines of, like, when he first was checking out gyms, he saw these guys walking out with black eyes and everything, but they were smiling, and he was like, yep. man, I want to be doing that. Yep. And it's like, so... If you could dive into like the mental sure. side of like why, why were you happy leaving the gym after getting in fights? Because I was 18 when I joined Team Irish, and so 
This is my first ever gym where I mean people, and this is a tough gym, MMA gym, and, uh, and tough, tough dudes in here. I was 18, and Marcus Davis was 32 at the time. Garth Crane, who the other pro, ran the gym, um, head coach, Canadian Olympic alternate. He was 31, 30, or he was 33 year older. All these guys, Mike, Mike Laliberti, Travis Bartlett, high level pros. We're all 33, 34. I was 18, but I was built like a 33 year old. <laughs> so, and they were just, hey, God bless them. But it was a tough time and tough gyms, 2005, you know, around then, where uh, they, I got thrown into the deep water with these guys. I came into this gym and, and, and I wanted to learn. And so my first night, I told them I want to spar. You know, yeah. and I got in there and, and, uh, and got to learn where I stand on the spectrum of. Alpha male, <laughs> it brought me down. But the thing is, is I at the end of the day, when all the the light, you know, everyone's gone home, and it's just me, myself, and I. I'm a fighter, and so I it would eat at me that these grown ass men would get this on me or get that on me. So I go back to, I would be like, that ain't gonna happen again. I go back to that gym, and I, what made me friggin' driven was like going and get lit up and go home and be like, fuck. You know, and I would go, I'd tell, talk to my dad about it, and I'd be like, today's my day. Today, that shit ain't going bad. <laughs> These are against, like, high-end pros that you can only be so realistic with how much you believe. But what I showed was the days that I showed up and believed in myself, like, it ain't going to happen today. It was a competitive round between me and these high-level guys, or I'd get the better of them. Yeah, where they fucking respected me, and I'm a ki- and I'm a kid. So by 21, I was a uh, head bouncer in a bar, in a serious like bar with serious situations, like serious violence. And I was 21 with these adults. But what gave me an edge was I was going to a gym training with these high level pros that were all 10 years, 10, 12 years older than me, and uh, it was giving me this edge. I knew that the other 21 year olds, 25, 28 year, no one was getting this edge. I was like sharpening blades. That no one else knew where that sharpening stone. Like I found it. <laughs> Team Irish, and so I knew I just had these like these weapons, these bombs that that I knew the the hoops, the fiery hoops I had to jump through. No one else was jumping through them. So I was like, I'm gonna jump through as many as these as I can get as tough as I can. So during the, all this process, was this Golden Gloves? Nope. Or this is after Golden Gloves. This was before Golden. Before Golden Gloves, yep. okay. This, I I trained like so. Bring me into Golden Gloves, like then yep. then you're you're the bouncer, you're sharpening your your yep. knives here, and you're like, all right. Now. And I was training as if I was a high level professional. I should have been competing, but what yeah. was I was training like five days a week, okay. doing all these sparring, doing all the things the same guys that had fights coming up. With yeah. Me. On the weekends, though, I wasn't going to compete. I was just going to the bar. And I was taking <laughs> these old dudes, not old dudes, like older, like grown ass men. I was a kid, <laughs> and that you know, I get these three guys. The want to puff up and it was like that's good. I, I'm not condoning this this is just the kind of person I was the kid I was I was a good kid but I didn't put up with any bullies or any bullshit to an extent that everyone in my area knew that that kid doesn't put up with bullshit and so uh, what happened was I um, I just I had slipped from gotten away from training I'd gotten fired from the bar for being overly like uh, assertive we'll put it that way and uh and then had the birth of my son, and uh, one of my uh, my closest friend uh, was murdered in a situation that you know everyone uh, almost lost their lives in, and uh, there was a and my son was born the next day, and it was this couple of years a turning point uh, where I started going kind of down a bad road, to you uh, know in, in the grand scheme of things it wasn't in a good direction it was it was uh, pretty rough, and so what happened was 
everything came to a head, and I said, I'm getting a fucking fight. I'm going to start as a boxer like I always wanted to do. When I was 18, I joined this MMA gym. I wanted to be a boxer, but they didn't offer yeah. boxing. So I started boxing. I made the phone calls and started fighting. I was like, all right, what gyms are around me? And they're like, we think there's a boxing gym in Stockton Springs. That was like an hour and a half away from where I lived in Ellsworth. And I called that guy up. He had a Skeet Wyman. Wyman's boxing. Shout out, Skeet, if you're seeing this. Um, the guys had some of the hand uh, had a hand in some of the, the uh, most amazing boxers. Uh, Demetrius Andre. Yeah. Um, Skeet played a major role in getting <coughs> started and, and everything in this game. He's a world champ today, and uh, and will be for a long time. So Skeet had a gym in the top on the third floor of a chicken barn in Stockton Springs, Maine. That never advertised. You couldn't find it in the phone book. But I I sought him out because I was calling boxers and promoters, and they were like, I think there's a guy, and phone call after phone call, I found <laughs> Ski, and he's like, show up at this time, I showed up at this day at this time, and uh, then I got my first official fight, 23, 24 years old, in uh, Windsor, Vermont, after three months of joining this boxing gym. Now you, these years are stomping, these years are like heavy fighting, so amateur boxing, I came into it like it was play, playland. Yeah. No fear. And everyone was like, everyone gets fear before a fight. No, not when you've had people, you know, killed in front of you and serious stuff. Amateur boxing with headgear and the doctor ringside. There, I was like, this is playland. And I came out like a grown-ass man. Just I came into the heavyweight scene as a boxer on the New England boxing scene. Um, throwing bombs. At, and I know because people would say, like, they never seen people fight like that. I would miss in the air would swing the guy's body around. I was just <laughs> running at guys. Just I learned kind of backwards. You know, I learned from being a brawler. Learned how to sharpen and control my shit. So when you won the Golden Gloves, like, what did that feel like? You go through all of this adversity. Like, yep. you have these things happen to you in your yeah. personal life, and then you accomplish that goal. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it must have been an amazing feeling. And then, what's your next thought? The next day, you're like, yep. "All right, now I'm I'm for real now. Like, I proved that I can win something. Yep. That gives you some confidence." This is what happened. This is uh, the unconventional uh, story uh, of my, my journey. I won the gloves. I mean, I never dreamt of being a world champion. or I dreamt of just winning my golden gloves because I couldn't think any bigger than that. That was to me. That was I, I'm part of this like little family circle, you know, uh, in history. And all the, that was all that mattered to me. It was not this grand, this massive grand, grand picture. It was just winning the gloves once I won them. It was, it was amazing, you know, but then I was like, okay, now what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, because I'm still young and fresh and, and, and able, and, and it's like, and I just accomplished this, and then you're left with, now what? And before, I never thought beyond that. And so what happened was right after I won the gloves, I lost my best friend, like, brother, best friend my entire life. That's uh, I dedicated my whole fighting career to. It happened, like, uh, just uh, two months after I won the gloves. And so I had no desire on going any further in boxing, no nothing. And not only did I have no desire, then after accomplishing this, losing any desire to go, not that I got lost it, there was no desire, that was the dream. Then I lost my, my best friend and it was so tragic. I mean, I'm affected for life from this. I moved home, I was in a shit relationship in the town of Lewis to Maine, um, where Muhammad Ali was in the Phantom Punch, yeah. mistaken. Um, I, I was in a shit relationship there, and was, I was miserable, and after, like, life got real, then it's easy to cut out bullshit, and I was like, well, I'm going home, I gotta be there for my family, his family, and four days after uh, carrying him to his final resting site, I got on the phone to a promoter, because I was, I was checked out, I was, like, devastated, I, beyond devastated, it's hard to even talk about, I don't tell the story much, 
But four days after bringing, uh, you know, carrying him on the you know, rainy day to his, his, his grave, I made a call to Matt Pearson from uh, New England Fights. I was like, hey, I want to fight. Because I was so done with life, I was like, well, the only chance of you being happy is you're going for your dream right now, or it's, or it's you're done. So anything that I ever dreamt about, I was like, well, I'm going for it. A full bore right now because I'm checked out. Otherwise, I'm not going to waste any more time in this life. Now I'm going for it all. So I made the phone call. Literally, well, most people should take some serious time to mourn and reflect and, and, and get through those, those stages that, that are serious stages. It's very rare that anyone takes a... T- uh, takes a um, You wanted to take a little time to no. kind of, no? It's rare anyone takes a, a pro fight during those those moments. So yeah. <clears throat> what happened was I, I took something that could have been a really dark time, and uh, I went deep into myself, and I trained like a fucking monster for that fight. And... Uh, <sighs> powerful because I had given up and uh, like completely given up and so what, what happens when you're like you go through tr- like tragic shit it's hard to feel much other pain and so when I showed up fight day I felt no nerves it was like this is weird because I had been a competitor for years I knew about nerves I know how to deal with them fear, it's, fear, fear exists you gotta deal with it there was no fear because I had just gone through so much pain you see me try to talk about it it's like it's been years I it was like Fuck you! Like I, if you, if I had gotten knocked out in that fight, I did not care. I was like, kill me. Hopefully, I die. Like that. So when you walk out to a fight like that, you want to talk about having nothing to lose. Nothing to lose is when you're walking out with that. Like some people say, you know, Israel Asanya, I will die in this. You know, you can kill me. But they don't really. I don't know if they understand the depths of, of uh, depth. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But when literally, I did not care what happened that night. And I remember showing up to the Wayans, and when I faced off, he's like my brother today, with Ras Hilton, and you know, going on to Bellator and had, had, you know, successful career. I remember squaring off with him. And I had, I've squared off with a lot of people. <laughs> And when I was looking at him, it was this different thing. Even he says it was something different because I was like, this is the guy I'm going to kill tomorrow. And it was a cold thing. And uh, and then what? And I showed up fight day. I had no emotion. I slept the whole ride to the arena. I had uh, I'd moved into a warehouse that me and my best friend used to do all our projects and big art projects. He used to work with me on them, on these installments. And he had a warehouse that we do these in. So I moved in there six weeks for this fight and lived on a couch with a, with a refrigerator because I wanted to unpaint that place. I didn't want to taint it. After he passed, the place was kind of eerie. And I was like, no, this was our fun zone, our safe zone. So I lived there for the whole fight. It was ratchet, man. And when I showed up to this thing, it was a different kind of animal. And I had no feeling. When they were like, the fights were going through, people walking out, coming back bloody, I'm just still just, I'm talking about like what I ate for dinner or something. I don't even know. I wasn't there. They are like, Sorrow, you're up. And uh, this night changed my life forever, though, because I, uh, I came out numb. I was like, they go, take your time. I was like, all right, I'm going to take my time. All my family's there. I'm waving. My I was like, it was like I was, I got to appreciate a fight. Like I got to jump into a movie role. You don't have the stress of the reality of it. You got to like play a role. You don't get hurt in the end. That's literally how fake it felt. I was like, this is cool. I guess I'm not going to have, I was waiting for the wave of stress to come. It never came. I was like, I guess we just go out and have fun. 
I, my heart was like this. <laughs> I walked out because I didn't care what happened. No care. But they know, I know, I know the level of animal I had reached. And I remember waving out. They, you, the way this arena was, across Insurance Center, um, you walk through the audience to come up to the cage. So I'm going by guys I've knocked out before that are now my friends, guys that I bounced with, went to high school with, all my child, my family, Jake's family. I'm walking through them. I took my time and I walked in that ring and knocked Rass out, who had 11 pro fights and was, I was bound to lose. I knocked him out with one devastating punch that went viral. And the whole list of line of camera crews at my gym the next day in my life, I got signed to Bare Knuckle, three fight exclusive deal. So that was an unconventional uh, way to get to where I'm at right now. The yeah, plan was never to be a world champ. The plan was, how do I get through life right now? And I brutally knocked this guy out where, by society standards, they're like, you have to do this. And I was like, I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible story. I think like there's a few questions um, off of that that I'm interested in like one I guess to start out I know you just talked about like the emotionless feeling that you had going into that fight but in all of your fights I don't know if each one is very different but I was curious about like what the energy is that you bring into a fight typically like would you say it's anger would you say it's like a calm like is it learn how to channel my pain because what I realized, not in that, my debut, that was a weird one, because I should have been, like, in therapy, not taking a fight, <laughs> you know, like, and so that was a different kind of scenario, that's rare. Did you feel, like, a relief after, like, no, it was, uh, emotion I, I, but after? But it was or? very weird, because I, it would, it was, should have been more elevated, but it was a sense of, I was like, I think, I, we just did something big. It was big. It was on TMZ and shit. Like, but I was still in this cloud where, like, that night I was like drifted backstage. They handed me my money. I was like, "Oh, I get paid for this." I forgot I got paid. I wasn't even doing it for money. They, hand, I was like, "Oh yeah." And then all the the cameras and I'm going through it. But it was like I was an out of body thing watching because I was still in this fog and I knew shit was about to change, uh, and it did. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But no, what I I don't bring anger into it necessarily. Not not in the sense of I come angry, but what I do is I take, because I learned it in my debut for Bare Knuckle. I had the same out-of-body thing when it was time for my turn to walk out, Stitch Duran standing at the edge of the ramp, waiting to grease me up and looking at Stitch. And I, I don't, I didn't let the moment overwhelm me. I, I think I soaked it in more than ever. I was like, I go, in my head, it's all the audience, but I don't hear any of it. Silence. And I was like, I was thinking, who else in the fucking doing this right now. The whole world's watching me about to walk out and do some violent shit. I'm getting paid. That's what I was thinking. When you see me standing and I walk out smiling because I'm going, this is fucking awesome. I embraced it like that and I, you know, and it was an amazing, amazing fight. One punch knockout again. But I, I realized how rare like that moment, like the rest of the night doesn't feel that way before leading up the whole camp. It's just this little orb of one moment. Any fighter can relate to this. And this, and Bare Knuckles, just so it's so big now. And you walk, and you realize it's the whole world's watching. It's this moment that I feel so alive that I don't get any other time in the camp. I have amazing moments. And I don't live for that one moment. Uh, I appreciate every second of the journey. But in those moments, I realize now is I'm not. I'm going to regret if I waste this time. So it's not anger. I learned how to channel all my pain. And I go, okay, take this, 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 bottle it up. And then I, 
<laughs> that one moment, you know. And is that like exactly kind of how you feel when you're doing like murals and your artwork and your painting, or is that totally separate? Like, how do they tie in with fighting and art? Yeah, it's I it's I use the same part of my brain when I'm in the ring and I and I'm faced with an opponent. He's my canvas, and I'm trying to paint him. You know, like I'm trying to use my art, so I'm trying to be creative, mixed with violence and intensity and strength and agility and athleticism. It's it's about. It's about um, abusing the same part of my brain as if I. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's a, I use the same part of my brain when I approach a bl big blank wall. It's it's a different kind of energy because I'm not having to like risk my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Start, start in the primer, um, but I'm using the same part of my creative. But like, pain, right? I mean, it comes. It's creative, that, yeah. so I get a rush. When I start throwing down, and, and God willing, we get this wall, and it looks like we're going to, I start throwing down this wall. As it starts coming to life, I get this energy that I get when I'm in the ring, and I think, all right, this guy likes to throw straight punches and come forward. I'm going to slip, cut an angle, and catch him with my hook. And when I slip, cut the angle, and the hook lands, the same excited feeling I get when I'm the night before thinking about, ooh, I want to put some extra dark behind his fist to make it pop out this 3D and when I do it the next day and it works even better I'm like whoo that worked <laughs> it's it's the same one there's just blood and pain and the other one is, is oil paint did you have a teacher in the art game or this Never. is self-taught self-taught yeah we got artists in my family so I think it was a genetic thing yeah. I have an uncle that's like an amazing gifted artist um, but couldn't stay out of jail <laughs> so I was like I got to see talent and see what talent wasted look looked like and that's a sour taste and so never wanted that 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 sense of regret yeah so I tried trying to not let go it's been a few years the last mural I did was right before I turned pro because I go full bore into things but while my bones are healing it's perfect timing this yeah great timing and you're two worlds colliding you know you're doing the mural on a boxing gym historic gym yeah. um so both of that's your blessing yeah, that's both of your passions yeah. coming into into one one area. But your knockout of uh, to go back to that fight, um, I know Roz. His you know after that fight, like he went some through some. I've read about like some dark times personally, um, and then you came in and, and really like helped him out in a lot of ways and like got him back into the gym, started training with him. Like, yep. what motivated you to, I guess, like have a heart like that and like. Right. Go reach out to someone that you don't know and someone that you just fought and like took out all that pain on. There's multiple angles from that. One, I've talked about this with Rats. I mean, the, that, that night was a gift for both of us. Someone always has to win, someone always has to lose. But it, it, nothing's bad unless you allow it to be bad. You know, the effects of things. Everything's a lesson. And so that loss grinded his ass enough in whatever way, I can't speak on that, he would, but to get the, the you know, to come back and fight, um, I forget the guy's name, but it's not relevant because he was an absolute asshole and Rask TKO'd him in the second round and it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, but he came back with a knockout win, you know, that, and then uh, the following fight and then got signed to Bellator would be Rudy Sephiroth and, uh, who was on a six fight winning streak and Bellator was building up and Rask unanimously beat him on three fight notice he was supposed to be in my corner so like a lot like good has come from uh from uh, a loss and his and good for me it launched my career but to go back i when i called matt peterson from doing the fights and said i want to fight he could have said king kong i was going to say yes it didn't matter the name but when he said Rass, i definitely said yes because i was a fan of Rass's. i used to watch all of his fights i used to keep track when he had a fight coming up and i, I used to make a, i couldn't wait to watch it because he's a 
phenomenal, like a genetic specimen. He's, he says he's six six, but he's like seven foot eleven. I know he is, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's and he's gifted. He's built like a basketball player, but he's a, a karate black belt, and he's got you know um, he's fully rounded. So I was a fan, and so when they said his name, I was like my, my nerves twitching out. Um, when they said his name, I said yes because no, oh, I want to kill this guy. I want to hurt him because I was like, yeah, absolutely, I know Brass, and it was an instant yes. What I did to him in our fight for him, the idea that I that he was never going to fight again because of how I knocked him out devastated me because I'm a fan of this guy. I didn't want what I did to now he stops fighting. Yeah, that's the opposite of what I wanted. I'm a fan of his. I want you know it never crossed my mind that I was going to go do something and he wasn't going to want to do his fashion anymore because of what I did to him that crushed me. And so I didn't know how to go about that until his. Uh, his you know, wife had reached out to me and said, could you just, you know, message my husband? He's going through a hard time. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this shit taps into weird emotions because it's so, it's so real. You know, you can't fake this shit. But he became, he traveled up to our gym and, and um, that, that's humbling itself because I never, I, no one had ever knocked me out, you know, and I had always thought, what would I do if someone knocked me out? Even in a pro fight, and it's like my brain didn't know. It went all kind of, I would track, I would I would get back at him. Something I didn't know how I deal with it because I never had. I especially never thought I would be capable of going to that guy's hometown, to his gym where everyone knows who I am. I'm the guy that got knocked out by. And go to his coach and humble yourself and then take lesson. And and that's a Ronin to me. You know, that's a true, that's a, like, a, you got the warrior spirit in you when you're capable of doing that. So when I saw that, I, he drove to my gym and he brought his kids up and, like, they, they all walked into my gym. This guy I did this to. And he's like, I'm here to learn. And he stayed, they stayed like four or six hours that day. It was like the whole day they traveled up from Portland. I didn't know if I'd ever be capable of doing something like that. So this guy showed me. You know, I went to Josh Burns in Detroit after losing my first pro loss. Did the same thing because I learned from Rass. You know, like a valuable lesson. Like, no, you can do it and come back and, and stuff like that. So, um, for yeah, long-winded answer, but yeah, it was because I was a fan of his, you know, and I never wanted uh, to, to someone I'm a fan of to retire because of what I did. Right. Yeah, no, really cool story. And, it, like, it kind of ties into, like, what you were just saying with Josh Burns and, like, you guys yeah. had, like, a little bit of beef beforehand and then yeah. big yeah. beef and then, like, squared it away now and things seem to be, you know, good. Brother. And, um... I think, like, the fight fans in general, like, really enjoy seeing that. Yeah. Like, especially when guys have beef, they go to war, and then they're both raising each other's hand, like, after the fight, and they're hugging. Yeah. And, like, people like to see that. They like, you know, that storyline. Right. And it's something that you've learned from from Raz, and then also, yeah. you know, have done yourself now after a defeat. Yep. Life after fighting for you, were you are you going to see yourself, like, in a coaching element or being around the sport and guiding people because it seems like Love it. the amount of like things you've learned in the gym it's just like a wealth of knowledge to pass on to the next generation right absolutely dude. Uh, you got an eye for it you're in the gym all the time too uh, so you see and understand it to be able to even make that point that's just it why like uh every person has their reasons you know to why when they're when fighting's over you know what they're gonna do i don't know necessarily because uh, uh, my my direct path because we we got offers rolling in right now. I'm just getting started. Yeah, I didn't mean to. No, no, I'm, I'm healthy. <laughs> but to answer your question, it's I will always be a part of the sport because it saved my life 
And so if you save my life, it sucks for you because you're going to be stuck with me for life. <laughs> In one way, shape, or form, I will always have you back. I, I, I have people's backs for way less. You don't have to save my life. You know, it's, uh, if this sport did so much for me, does so much for me, to, you can't always compete. That's just that's, that's the nature of life. But to be a part of it, I, I feel it's like I have no I have no choice in the matter, you know. And for uh, like back home in Maine, where I'm from, to see what it did for kids, parents would bring their kids to me because they knew my story. They, they didn't they don't understand how fighting did it, but they're like, we remember Chris, <laughs> and look at him now, like the changes. And they would just bring their kids to me. They, Good, bad, they're all good kids. There's no bad kid. But any kind of kids that had issues or things that they couldn't solve, uh, instead of bringing them to a, a doctor, getting them on meds, it's like, God bless them, the ones that thought, oh, just bring them to Chris. He used to be a troubled whatever, and now he's just still troubled, but doing a little better. <laughs> but but I, I will always have to pay back in some way, whether it's managing fighters, uh, not to make a penny, but to show them how to make a living off, because a lot of fighters need to need guidance. Yeah, on just how they don't realize how they could be making a living, you know, like off their their name and their platform and stuff. And so, to be able to be a good manager or or a good coach, a coach that doesn't do it for the dollar, but does it for the the community and the good it brings, I'm gonna have a plane in some way like that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and I think it's like a great obviously thing to do someone like you with your experience and yeah. but you still got a lot of fighting ahead of you and maybe you're you gonna know I, I know it's not what no i know but <laughs> and, and maybe and maybe you're gonna be you know you tell me i know you still have i'm sure maybe fights on the contract i don't know you know how how it's set up with the bare knuckle but you're one of the few guys i mean there's not a ton of guys who have done pro boxing mma and bare knuckle and i was curious about like growing up, you play different sports. I'm sure you played all. There's kind of a different feel to every sport you go into. Yeah. I know it's still yeah. fighting at the right. end of the day, so right. it's got that fight element. Right. But there's always like it seems you know there's a d- different flavor, right, to each one. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. In terms of the audience, in terms of the yeah. pr- promotion. Yeah. What's your favorite Structure. so far? Is it the bare knuckle vibe? Is it 100%. the boxing vibe? 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent. I love it all, but for me, I'm like. I guess like uh, a character flaw in me is like I get it. Something, something could excite me, jump out of a plane. Woo! The next day I want to jump out of the plane on fire because <laughs> it wasn't enough. And that's just that's human nature to the fullest for me. And so I love boxing. I love MMA. I love the. I love kicking. I love wrestling. I love all martial arts. But when I can feel the breeze on my bones when I'm walking out to do something that's I. Leave, sign the legal document for it. I'm getting paid, and I can I can feel <laughs> my bones <laughs> when I'm walking out. It adds this different kind of flavor. You're definitely right. It's a unique flavor, and I like that one in particular. That one gets me. Win or lose, there's just this feeling that I get that I feel so alive. And, you know, I guess because fighting, I don't fight for the same reason I did when I was 16 or 25. It's different now at 33. I'm a father. I'm a. I'm a. I, 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 it's more sport competition business. I'm not coming to murder per se. Um, but when I'm coming out for bare knuckle, there's this. I still get this 16 year old headed to the parking lot after school feeling that you can't get in the other combat sports. I don't get it, you know, because I wasn't putting gloves on before I walked out to the parking lot. So I get this. It brings up these things that just make me feel. 
young again, I guess. It brings back like this nostalgic street fight feeling, you know? Yeah. Like, go meet Billy at 12 to fucking, <laughs> you know? I don't get that when it's gloved. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I feel like, like your artistic side, the fight side, and a lot of what you've talked about today, it's all kind of tying back together to like the most raw form of expression, right? It's fighting, it's art. I look at the whole world as my canvas, and the world is my canvas, you know, and like whether I'm painting it, uh, physically creating art, or physically, you know, expressing art, or expressing it this way, or it's, I look at this like it's one little life we have, a speck of space, a speck of sand, it's like, you know, it's got over like that, and I, I look at it like my, my blank canvas, I constantly want to create you know, new vibes, new new energies, new excitements, new adrenaline, and uh, and then when it's over, I can lay there and be like, "Dude, you fucking did it! You did it! No regrets! No regrets! No regrets!" Well, I think that's a perfect uh, spot to end it. You're doing it to the max degree here in fighting and art. So both your passions, you're you're taking it real far, and and the story's still going. So if you want to give a shout out to where they can follow you. On, on Instagram and uh, any of your social media channels. Floor is yours. Instagram at Chris Golden Gloves. Facebook and Instagram. I don't do Twitter because I'm not political enough. <laughs> but uh, follow me. I, I, I'm constantly, I'm not just posting fight and stuff. If, if uh, you're into the fight world and the art world, I'm always giving behind the scenes scoops on things and showing things from a different angle, my angle. And, uh, and I like my flavor. And uh, check it out, guys. I, uh, you know, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, appreciate I've been, I've been it. My hand's still crushed, but I've been <laughs> wanting to do this for a while, and I appreciate you guys taking the time. So, and shout out to Fifth Street Gym and Dino, uh, uh, Noel uh, Guevara with the big win you just had in Germany. Yep. We uh, this gym's doing big things, man. Yeah, big things going down here in Miami. So hit, go to YouTube, hit subscribe at the Pod Matrix. Follow me on Instagram, Brooklyn Boxing Podcast. Chris, thanks again. It's awesome. This episode will be out soon. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you.